Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 John, or not 1 John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Y'all may have known the story of Vince Lombardi, a great football coach. It was the first day of training camp. The year was 1961. Do you know where this is going? He said, well, there were 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team that arrived to start a brand new season. And the previous season ended horribly for the Packers, who squandered a lead to lose the NFL championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. This was a new season, however, and the players arrived at a training camp with great expectations of playing better, smarter, and with more effective plays. Their coach, Vince Lombardi, had a different idea. Author David Moranis recounted that day in his book, When Pride Still Mattered, A Life of Vince Lombardi. He said he took nothing for granted. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming that the players were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, holding a pigskin in his right hand, this is a football. (laughs) I want to tell you this morning, I I prayed about sermons to to list, to, to... preach. And I said, you know, I'm going to stay with a book of the Bible for a series of sermons and then I'll switch to another book. But for the next, uh, well, we'll have an intermission there when we have a guest preacher. But for the next five sermons there, we're going to be in the book of John. And I'll tell you, you may have heard these sermons before. That's fine. But we're going to look at the football. And we're going to learn, we're just go over the fundamentals. You know, Peter talked to him. He, he said, I remind you of these things, even though you know these things. That's not a direct quote, but that's essentially what Peter was saying when he talks about things to add to your faith. And uh, in John chapter one here, I, I almost felt like I bit off more than I could chew. There's not much to verses one to 14 when you just read the words. John uses very simple words to give the gospel message. That's something you'll find. You look in the book of John and you'll say, man, that's deep. That's, there's a lot packed into there. But just the words, if you just look at the words, you say they're very simple words, very simple sentences. I can already see. I just need to read and get to talking to you. But uh, when you look at the other gospels, each of the four gospels, they look at a different aspect of Jesus. In the book of Matthew... Matthew points out how Jesus is king of the Jews. He makes that point throughout his scripture. In the book of Mark, we see a servant of God. And uh, in the book of Luke, he speaks to the Romans. And he uses a lot of parables. But in the book of John, we see Jesus as the son of God. And he paints a grand picture. The book of John has always been my favorite because it gets right into it. We hear the Christmas story every Christmas. We hear about the nativity and the, the, you know, the genealogies. That gets everybody excited, right? But when you read those genealogies in Matthew, it shows you how Jesus was, well, you know, comes from the line of David. When you read in Matthew, the genealogy goes back to the first King David and then back to the first Jew, who's Abraham. Luke traces the genealogy back to the first man, Adam. And shows how he's a man. And John takes us back to the beginning of creation. To understand who Jesus really is, is to understand the most fundamental aspect of Christianity. Jesus wasn't just a good man. 
Jesus was not just a good teacher and Jesus was not some popular cult leader. People reduce him down to these things. Now, John lays out a fundamental principle about Jesus. Look at uh, John 1.14. Bible says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, that's just a simple statement, but there's so much packed into that. John uses such simple words to explain a concept that it's really hard to wrap your mind around. Often we take the concept for granted and just accept it. I'd like to say this morning that the idea of Jesus being God and man all at the same time, that's our football. That's the fundamental principle of our Christianity. If you want to understand Jesus and you want to understand your Bible, as, as hard as that is, you, you have to kind of wrap your mind around the fact that Jesus was not only in the flesh on this earth, he dwelt among men, but he's also God at the same time, and he's also the son of God. John points out how, how essential it is in 1 John 4, 3. He says, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now it is already in the world. So there's a fun, if you can't admit that Jesus is God, his sacrifice wasn't able to save you. If you can't admit that Jesus was sent by God, he's the son of God, and he has the, the, the pure blood, there was no blood on this earth able to cleanse the world of sins. It was Jesus, Hebrews talks about, and he sat down on the right hand of the Father. You see, if Jesus was just a good man, a wise teacher, or just some cult leader, then he can be dismissed like any other man. But how could Jesus be God, the only begotten Son of God and the Savior of men? 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Now, that's a verse I've looked at time and time again, but when I looked at it in light of John chapter 1, it just, it just compasses the whole of Jesus' life into that one verse. Great, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. It's a great mystery. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Have you ever tried to wrap your mind around the, uh, the Trinity? I mean, well, it's an egg. It's like an egg. It's this and it's that. I don't know. You know what I know? If I could put God in a box and under a microscope, he wouldn't be God. If I could say that Jesus was just a man, if I could figure him all out, he wouldn't be my savior. But we're going to take a look today. There is... John manages to capture the essence of who Jesus is within these first 14 verses of John and really gets to the heart of matter in the first five verses. So there's number one, let's look at uh, verse number one. Let's read verses one through five. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. How many of you know them verses? You just know them, you've heard them, you've heard them preach time and time again. Have you ever just stopped to look through them? We're going to do a little bit of that this morning. So he was in there, there. Number one, in the beginning was the word. God's word has power. There's power in God's word. We know that he created the world using his word. In uh, Isaiah 55, 11, he says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereto I sent it. You know, when I read that, I used to think, yeah, see, there you go. The preacher preaches a word. God's word goes out, and it moves on people's hearts. Well, let me tell you something. When you realize the power in God's word that controls this world, there's so much more in that verse. There's so much more packed into it. In John 17, 5, when Jesus prayed for his disciples before going to the cross, he said, And now, O Father, glorify, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That gets us to our next part. It says, And the word was with God, and the word was God. Number one, understand Jesus is the word. We see that over in John 1, 14. But it says the word was with God and the word was God at the same time. Now, we know we can't be in two places at one time, right? You know, there's a joke with memes going around. They'll show two people that look alike. It's ridiculous or whatever. It said never seen them in the same room together. But it's hard for us to comprehend how could Jesus be God yet with God. So look at Genesis chapter number one, because it says in the beginning was the word. Let's look at Genesis chapter number one. I don't know if I'm going to answer questions or create them. All I know is I'm going to preach God's word and just let it land. So if you want to find out what happened in the beginning, where do you go? In the beginning. Where did it all start? In the beginning. Where was Jesus? In the beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And in verse number three, and God said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God simply spoke this world into existence. Now, It said, in the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. Look over in verse number 26. Verse number 26, I don't know if this changes in other Bibles, but in mine it says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God said, let us. Did you ever wonder about that when you read through that? You see that God speaks in the Trinity. You see the Trinity in that statement. I don't know if I'm seeing confusion out here or if I'm seeing you follow along, but something that's so fundamental that we've heard so many times, but just to look back and say, well, Jesus in the beginning, and ask yourself, He is the word. He is the word of God. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus was there in the beginning in creation. 
You say, how does this help me get bread? Jesus is the bread of life, amen? He said in 17.5, he said, Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus wasn't created. Some people will try to say that he was. Some cults will say that he was created. Right here, we see Jesus was before the beginning. Jesus was part of the creation. He was the one that created. And he's with God. Genesis 1.26 said, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. In John 1.3, says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's back in John chapter 1. We can go back there. Before Sunday school, I was pacing. They said, why are you pacing? Now you know. Because I've seen preachers that try to put so much into something. It's like, yeah, yeah, we get it, preacher. We get it. Jesus is God. Jesus is so fundamental. But I, I, I hope that by the end of this sermon, and I begin to show you some things in John, every time Jesus spoke, it points back to John chapter 1. When John doesn't leave the topic, John doesn't, he doesn't meander around. John's, they say that John wrote his last after all the other gospels. John was the one that was close to Jesus. He said the disciple that was dearly loved, that God, Jesus dearly loved. In John 1, 3, it says, all things were made by him and without him, without him was not anything made that was made. You're talking about the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God and he's the word at the same time. Mm-hmm. Let us. So Psalm 33, 6 says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. God spoke it into existence. God spoke this world into existence. When John calls Jesus the word, he's telling us how Jesus is the creator. Colossians 1.16, Paul says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And there we see Jesus' future. They were created by him in the beginning, but in the future, it's all going to be given back to him. This whole place will be his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, but to us there is but one God. And that's where it gets confusing, right? There is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. I grab a hold of that. Jesus was the one that created us. And Jesus is the one that came and suffered at the hands of his creation and and died on the cross in order to make an atonement for his creation. And none of it was his fault. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, all of the sin that took place, all the sin that took place in your life, none of it was Jesus' fault. But he came down. God manifest in the flesh. And uh, let's read on. I'm not going to go too much into this, but verse number four says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. That's a whole nother message when you talk about Jesus being our light. You know, 
and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus came into this world, they didn't even know he was here. I was trying to think of an illustration, and the closest that I could come, and you shouldn't put up half an illustration, but I ain't got half of mine. When the closest I could come was a young lady that knew somebody from a distance that had written letters for years, and that person shows up in town, and they walk, she walks right past her love, the one that she fell in love with all those years, and doesn't even recognize him. Matter of fact, rejects him and goes, goes about her way. She sees him, and she rejects him and goes about her way. All through the years, the prophets spoke of a Messiah. All through the years, Abraham looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, all through the years, the Jews were looking forward to him. And when he came here, they didn't even recognize him for who he was. They denied him. When you read the book of John, you see that they gave John more credit for being sent from God than God's very son. They asked John, are you that prophet? And he said, no. They said, there's one coming after me whose shoe latched. I'm not worthy to, to latch it. They said, no, I'm not that prophet. When Jesus came, they got mad because he said that he was from God. Which leads us to our next part. John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I like that a lot better than what the uh, message Bible says. And God moved into the neighborhood. Amen. <laughs> so it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We know about that. We know about the nativity, right? We know about all that. But, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. When you see Jesus Christ, you are seeing God the Father. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. When we see Jesus here in the book of John, turn to John chapter number 5. In John chapter number 5, Jesus heals a man. And when you see the miracles that take place in the book of John, John points out these miracles for a specific reason, for a very specific reason. When you see Jesus feeding the 5,000, then he follows up with, I am the bread of life. John uses those miracles by way of pointing to who Jesus is. The signs were given by God to show that he was from God. So he heals the man at the pool of Bethesda, but he does it on the Sabbath day. And the Jews come after him. The Pharisees come after him. And 17, but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. He makes it plain who he comes from. Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And you say, well, I know this, Brother Keith. I'm just pointing out when you read this and you start to see throughout the passage and you just you just start to put it together it said therefore the Jews sought to kill him more verse 19 then answered Jesus and said unto them verily verily I say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do for what things soever he doeth 
these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Here he is on earth. The word was with God. The word was God. And then he comes down in the flesh. And how did he do that? He was virgin born. He was born of a virgin. And God was his father. He's the only begotten of the father. You know, those words mean a lot to me when I read that. The only begotten. Because if it says, well, he's, he's the one and only son, it's not true. We're all children of God. We're all sons of God. There's many sons. But he's the only one begotten of God the Father. All right, I'm going to ask a question. I try to avoid it. Are y'all with me? Are y'all following me? I have a bad habit of trying to read faces sometimes. I just have a bad habit, especially when I'm on a subject like this. I just hate to go pounding on. And everybody, I left everybody back at the general store, you know. <laughs> All right. He says, and, and here he makes plain how, how he's the son of God in his own words. And they, they, the, the part that catches me, he, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. He said, for the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doeth, verse 20. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Verse 21, for as the father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. For the father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son. So we see God and the son in two separate roles. That God doesn't do the judgment here, but Jesus will be doing the judgment. That all men should honor the son even as they honor the father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. You know why that's so important? Because there's a lot of people out there that'll say, well, I believe in God. I just don't believe in Jesus. Well, you don't believe in the Bible. You believe in a God of your own creation. You don't believe in the God that revealed himself through his (laughs) word. It's an amazing thing when you start to put all that together and we have God's word in front of us. Amen. That's how God makes his message known is through words and through his creation. He said that all men should honor the father, honor the son, even as they honor the father. He that honoreth not the son, honoreth not the father, which has sent him. And then verse 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Lead someone to the Lord. That's the first place I take them. Did you hear the words? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Look what it says you have. Eternal life. Hath eternal life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You want to get to heaven? Trust Jesus Christ. You want to go to hell? Do nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. So, turn to John chapter 14. He that has seen Jesus has seen God. I love John 14 through 16, 17. Because here is Jesus knowing 
full well that he's about to go and to die on the cross. He knows that his time has come. When you read through the book of John, when he's at the marriage of Canaan, he said, woman, my time has not come. When she said, you know, help him. And uh, she said, do all things whatsoever he says. And he did the miracle of the wine. But he did say, my, my hour has not come. He knew when his hour was coming. And as he gets closer and closer to that hour, he tries to reveal more and more to his disciples. He's been telling them all along. But here in chapter 14, he tells them why he's going away. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I look forward to that place. Amen. He says, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas, ever faithful, said, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's another one of my favorite verses. There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ, his son, who was manifest, God manifest in the flesh. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father and it sufficeth us. Look what Jesus said in verse number nine. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the father? He that has seen me has seen the Father. When you worship Jesus Christ, you're worshiping the Father. And Jesus gave his glory to God. Go to Hebrews chapter number one. Now Hebrews, Hebrews is one of those books that I've waded into and waded out of and waded into and waded out of. But it's just glorious to sit and read. It's just glorious just to try to imagine, just to try to picture what they're telling you. And when you combine it with John chapter 1, Hebrews begins to make a little more sense. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers, by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son who's that the word of God whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds everything was made by him without him was nothing made that was made by him by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory look at verse number three who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and the uphold, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And there we see Jesus purging our sins. When you read into Hebrews, you begin to see how Jesus is our high priest, how Jesus is our intercessor. The word was with God. The word was God. Being made so much better than the angels 
as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. It's just so hard. I, it may be easy for you guys. It, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around it. I can accept it, and that's what I do, right? I say, well, God said it, I believe it, and that's the end of it. But when you wade into this, and you try to, how can it be at the same time that Jesus Christ, who was manifested in the flesh, was God the Father, or, or you know, he followed God's will. He said, I do not my own will, but the one who sent me. God sent him. Yet he is God. So like I said, I don't know if I'm adding more questions to you or helping you answer them. But let me tell you something. The God you worship is not somebody you can put into a box. The one who died for your sins, being God, was perfectly capable of dying for the sins of this entire world. Verse number eight, but unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God. Listen to what he says. But unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall all wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and our years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make my enemies, thine enemies, my, thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits? And then he goes on. And I could get carried away right there. But, and I'm pretty confident every face that I'm looking at has at one time in their life accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There may be somebody that's listening that may not know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. I just, I just get caught up in it. I was just thinking about John chapter 4 when he's talking to the woman at the well and she said, you know, our fathers say that on this mountain you worship God and you say that in Jerusalem, because she was a Samaritan and they were split. She said, but you say that in Jerusalem. And he said, woman, the time now is and will be when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. There's just so much to grab a hold of, but I just wanted to share that with you this morning. If you'll stand while Miss Maxine plays.